Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Gail Forrest. She is an author, entrepreneur, humorist, dating expert, and blogger. Gail and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and her recently released book, Gone Puzzle, a humorous look at middle age and menopause experienced by her and other menopausal women. Good morning, Gail. Happy 2019. How are you doing? Good. How are you? And wait, before we start, I just have to say one thing, because I think it's very brave of a man to take the subject on. So good for you. I don't think it's the easiest (laughs) subject for a man. So I'm just going to give kudos to you for, you know, taking it on with me. So thanks. I love it. It was one of those things where I look at life with a sense of humor when I got the book proposal from your publicist, I thought, well, this would be really cool for me to handle this. After all, it is 2019. So I am so excited. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. Gone Puzzle is a super funny read. So congratulations on its release. Oh, thank you. And it seems like it's the year of women, lots of women everywhere. So um, good for you. So true. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And don't leave anything out, okay? (laughs) Oh, no. So then we'll be here for a couple hours. The short version, right? Like It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's right. There you go. When I thought about the subject, the question, I'm like, okay, I was born in New York. So I want you to know I always consider myself a New Yorker, even though I was – moved from New York with my parents when I was like a little baby, but they're from New York. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I've always maintained the sense of being a New Yorker, which not everyone loves, but I do. And um, I grew up in Chicago. I went to, I guess what I think about when I think about growing up as high school, where we had to wear a different outfit every single day. It was the most pressure packed. What are you wearing today? High school. What college are you going to? What are you wearing? And what kind of car do you drive? Mm-hmm. So there was, you know, a lot of pressure there with high school. And um, then I went off to college in Iowa, which was a complete antithetically, it was antithetical to growing up in the North Shore of Chicago. So that was a, a whole new experience. Have you ever been to Iowa? I drove through it one time with my foster father a long, 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 long time ago. <laughs> right. Well, it was completely different than growing up on the North Shore of Chicago, like People, you know, it was great. I loved it. I mean, it was kind of a hub of people traveling mm-hmm. across the country, and it had the writer's workshop and, and like, lots of interesting brainy people. And I guess I was lucky, mm-hmm. and some level lucky. It was during the time of the Vietnam War, and I was very, you know, I was politically active that way. And then we all, at the end, got in a van and drove, like, hippies. I guess you could say I was a <laughs> young hippie. I <laughs> know it's cool now and it was fun i mean i I would honestly in hindsight i wish that someone had directed me to business school or a medical school but um they didn't i was an english major drove to san francisco lived there for four years hitchhiking all over san francisco over each bridge each day to work and um then one day I flew to New York City for my grandmother's funeral and never went back and stayed in New York City. So I'm, I guess I'm a vagabond, you know, sort of as a youth. My favorite place on the planet was mm-hmm. New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and then met someone, got married. I met someone, this is my cute little story, my husband in the middle of Central Park of the day after Thanksgiving. We both had the same kind of dog. And we both mm-hmm. were from the same town in Chicago. Isn't that amazing? Seriously? I said, oh, I'm from a yeah. little city town in Chicago. He went, he was too. And we were both from Glencoe. You know, and that, then we moved back to Chicago. God, my life's getting boring. But um, I stayed there for many years, raised a child, started, went, got into the art world, was in um, a private art dealer for like 22 years, which I loved because I love art. And then I decided to start writing again. I wrote as a little girl. I wrote short stories, but um, I started writing again about my marriage, about, you know, crazy things that happened. And 
somehow as I turned 40, which is like someone once told me I took that way too hard, that um, <laughs> like maybe I should leave the house again in my life. But um, I just started writing down what was happening and what my girlfriends and I were, you know, couldn't remember each other and couldn't remember our phone numbers. And, you know, we were perimenopausal, mm-hmm. which no one told us about. So it was a big surprise. <laughs> very, very interesting. Were you a naturally funny person growing up? Um, I don't know. I was very, very shy until high school. And I, I think I was. I tried to see the humor in things. Or um, I think people think I'm funny. They still think I'm funny. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, you, you know, you as the person who's saying things, don't you're, you, know, you aren't specifically funny, but other people do. So I would have to say that... Um, they thought I looked really good in blue jeans and jeans mm-hmm. and that I was funny. <laughs> that would be, I guess that would be, I like to be funny. I mean, I don't think I try, but I think I'm very honest. I mean, I guess I will say yeah. that I think because a lot of times I say the bubble over my head and uh-huh. when you start speaking the bubble over your head, you know, sometimes it's pretty funny or they're just so surprised by what I say that they laugh. Mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. two. How did you develop that sense of humor for almost everything? I don't know. It's just, you know, I think like when you think about other comedians, like you see what I think you have to see first to be serious for a minute is kind of the dark side. And you see the mm-hmm. dark side of it. And in that dark side, you kind of find humor. Like what's so funny about losing everything or what's so funny about mm-hmm. having a really crappy date or what's so funny about saying, you know, break your car breaking down and then you kind of in hindsight see what's so funny about because you you ruminate on it a little bit maybe I'm more of a ruminator and then um, I start thinking about it and then you find something that's clever about it or something I think that's how I do it it's a I think it's a process I mean you hear other Mm -hmm. comedians you know they're all on analysis none of them are very healthy (laughs) so I think that it's because we see, not that I'm one of them, but I think because you see it in this, um, in a different way to start with and like a, it's skewed slightly. And instead mm-hmm. of staying in that dark place, you kind of move it into, make it clever, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, how could I make any of my incredibly bad days funny? <laughs> so true. So true. When did you realize that life can be comedic if we allow it to be? I think when I started writing, you know, when I started mm-hmm. this blog, which came to me, out of, I don't know, it just kind of came out of the blue. You know, I'm like, um, you know, like I said, when I started talking to my girlfriends and we were just complaining and basically sort of complaining about everything. And um, I think when I started writing and once I started writing it, once I started, I started trying to see things that way, like trying to mm-hmm. be like, um, even if I was like, oh, it, I can't believe it just happened. But then I, then I twist it and go, but wait, maybe because of what just happened, I can make it funny. Mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, mm-hmm. these things don't come, they're not spawned from, like, comedic events. <laughs> they're spawned from something a little twisted or something I read in the newspaper. Right. I'm like, oh, God, that's horrible. But then you think about, I consciously think about what can be funny about it or how I can change it. So Mm -hmm. I think once I started, it just keeps going that way. Like I had a really bad date Friday night. I got fixed up and I'm, I haven't written about it yet. And I I never use names. (laughs) I'm real names. So everyone, they're all protected, but um, you know, I'm like, Oh, I came home. I'm like, I just had the worst date of my life. I mean, literally, I mean, Oh my God. I think the man was a hundred. I mean, no offense to someone a hundred, but I'm not, that's not my gene dating pool. (laughs) <laughs> and so I haven't written about it yet, but it's every time I tell the story, it's not a bad story anymore. Now it's a funny mm-hmm. story. Do you know what I mean? It's not I, a bad deal, right? If he's 100 and you're 99, though. Right. For my mother. <laughs> but um, actually, I decided my mother actually looked better, looks better. And my mother is 100. It was just mm-hmm. so surprising. I mean, like, oh, my God. I mean, serious. The funniest part about that day was um, the person who fixed me up was like, it was a long chain of like how I got fixed up with this man, but they were very concerned with what I looked like and was I fit and was I pretty? 
blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, what I uh-huh. look like. And then I walk in the spa and I dressed up, you know, like that's a big deal for me putting on real people, you know, big girl clothes. Yeah. And, um, and I walk in and here is this like hundred year old man in schlubby tennis clothes, like just uh-huh. seriously a Nike t-shirt. So by the time I write about all this, even though I was like, Oh my God, how can I leave fast enough? Which I didn't, I was polite. So by the time I will sit down and write this story, having now told it, you know, now it's like nine <laughs> times <laughs> in the, in the continuous retelling, much like, you know, the odyssey, when you keep telling a story, it will be eventually funny. You take something not funny and make it funny. Well, Gail, after all, he does own half of Florida. That's got to be. No, I, I went through my head. I went, if this was the richest man, I said this, if this was the richest man on the planet, on the entire planet Earth, it wouldn't matter to me. Oh. <laughs> oh, I know. See, it's sad when I tell you, but it's not. It isn't true. It is comedic. Yeah. I mean, you dressed to kill, and then yes, I did. things happen. Yes. Oh, my God. See, we could talk about my dating forever. I mean, I don't date as much anymore. The gene pool is just shrinking. It's like there's three men in it now. But um, I did once think some man was going to die at dinner. Like I thought he'd be dead by dessert. (laughs) Well, you got to dress conservative. Don't dress to kill. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I thought I looked good, but... And you know what? I actually think the waitress felt sorry for me. Seriously, she kept like giving me this. Maybe she didn't, but that's how I interpreted it. So, so that's well, how I find things funny. That's good. That's very good. So you said you like writing. What attracted you to what's writing? Well, assignments in school, like things that you had to do at our funk. But... Um, yeah, originally just because it was homework, and I I don't know really. I mean, I used to write poems a little bit on the mm-hmm. morbid side or you know sad mm-hmm. side, but um, then I just started writing. I did write as a child about a plane crash and have subsequently been afraid to fly ever since. And um, <laughs> I know I think I had some sort of vision into the future, which so far I have not. <laughs> but. Um, I just, I don't know. I I have no idea what started me. I'm not very good at writing. Like, I'm not very good at writing expositorily. Like, when I had to, Mm -hmm. in the art world, when I had to write about art, you know, send a client Mm -hmm. a letter about a painting or a sculpture, and I had to write something on this expository, you know, articulate, collegiate way, I was, I didn't, I don't like it. I mean, I can do it because I'm, you know, I'm, I can do it, but it's not as much mm-hmm. fun for me. So I think I just find writing in a funny. So you find that your writing is an outlet for you for self-expression or rather just sharing yeah. your perspective about things? I think, right, because I think I'm good at expressing myself. So I don't think it's an outlet for self-expression. I think it's good because I like interp- reinterpreting things. Mm-hmm. And, a, mm-hmm. you know, and I have fun reinterpreting things. So, um yeah, it's just more of an expression of what I'm thinking, more than oh, I have to get this out because I can't possibly <laughs> tell anybody. That's and that's not the truth. That's not how it goes. <laughs> I see. I very, enjoy very it, although it's tor- you know it's tortured. If you ever write, I mean, you sit there with the blank piece of you know the blank mm-hmm. screen, and you're like, oh, you know, you don't have an idea. And I used to be a runner, so if I got really stuck, I would go out for a run, mm-hmm. and then come back and get unstuck and. You know, it's a process. I think it's hard. All writers, I'm sure, they have. They all struggle. I can't believe someone right. is happily writing every day. Right. Well, for me, what I found very, very interesting, and it was very encouraging, the fact that years ago I had a book. The title of the book is, If You Can Talk, You Can Write. So you're basically talking on paper. And I love right. it. And I just started writing. Well, for lack of better than talking on paper. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. If you're a good editor, you know, I mean, the other thing is, you know, editing things, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's fun, but it's also, you're sitting down, you're isolated, you're by yourself and all the good Mm -hmm. ideas you had. Now you're sitting with a blank screen and you're like, 
what I, I, you know, <laughs> your mind is as blank as a screen sometimes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, it's been it's fun to do for me. That's for sure. Wonderful. Why did you decide to write Gone Puzzle? I think two things. One was, like I say in my book, like my first shocking realization was that I'm at an art fair in New York City. This is at the beginning of my book. And I'm overhearing two of my clients. You know, I, you know, it's like this big fancy art fair and they came from Florida and I'm, you know, trying to get them to buy art, blah, blah, blah. But they're sort of sequestered over in a corner and they're talking about, and they're older than I am. So at this time I was probably 40 mm-hmm. and they were probably... 50 or something, you know, and mm-hmm. they were talking about how they have like no more sex drive. I mean, sometimes, you know, and I'm like eavesdropping. I'm not like, you know, going up <laughs> and adding to the conversation. And I'm the bubble over my head at this point is like, oh, that's impossible. I'm, that's never <laughs> happening to me. I mean, FYI, your 40s are a very good span of 10 years if you're a woman. But um, <laughs> I um, just think that will never happen to me. That will never happen to me. So that was one thing and then the next thing was my my gynecologist was one thing i mean maybe i asked him about menopause and um which doctors never talk about mm-hmm. and um he well he said he could tell every woman in his waiting room who was going through menopause because they got heavy they get like heavier in the middle mm-hmm. and they're complete you know like the estrogen gets that gives you that cute little girly cheer you know cherry cheek mm-hmm. complexion gets sucked off your face literally <laughs> it's like a magic trick it's there one day it's like you're ghost like the next day so um i those two things like stuck in my mind and they both were true mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i just decided i want you to know that i told my son this is just an mm-hmm. aside who's a doctor because mm-hmm. so many things have happened to women and i'm so glad they're writing about this now about menopause and Right. Like Gwyneth Paltrow, bless her skinny heart, skinny body and heart, has now mm-hmm. started a new line of products for menopause because she, now drumroll, she is perimenopausal. Mm-hmm. So, um, so now it's, you know, it's because they're talking more about it and someone wrote an editorial in the New York Times like doctors should warn women all the things that are going to happen. There's so many things that right. happen and not everyone experiences it the same way. So I was recently mm-hmm. visiting my son, and I went, Jesse, I shouldn't say his name, he'd be a dive mortification. Um, <laughs> I said, when you, get, when you get patients and you can't figure out what's wrong with them, if they're women over 45, you might start thinking it's some symptom mm-hmm. of menopause. Because do, I don't know if they teach that in medical school. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so I think it's an important subject. And and I see because I have an Instagram account, Fiel Forest. Very funny. It's all videos. You don't even have to hear me really talk for more than a minute of video. <laughs> and um, but these women, I mean, I, some of them are just having a terrible time, which I find sad. I mean, I feel bad that um, they're struggling, like physically. Their symptoms are crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, things I never experienced. And um, so I just think it's a subject that should, but I also think that we should be funny about it as much as you mm-hmm. can today. I feel like I should add levity to it because we're all experiencing it. We're all experiencing it. Every woman over 45, you know, I don't care how mm-hmm. wealthy you are or whatever, you're not going to find right. a way around it. There's no, there's no detour. <laughs> so I just, I wanted, right, there's no like, stop, you get to go around. I mean, I just wanted to... Bring some fun to it. You know, it's like a sorority. You know, we're like sorority sisters. That's why, even though I was never in a sorority, I sort of see it as a big girl sorority or woman sorority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of how I came to it. My gynecologist and these two two clients of mine, and everyone was right. He was right. They were right. You know, everyone's right. So it was just something I thought. Oh, we've gone somewhere. We've gone causal, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's, you know, I don't know. I could go on forever, but you ask me another, you can ask me another question too. 
Very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Gail Forrest. She is an author, entrepreneur, humorist, dating expert, and blogger. We're having a conversation about her life's journey and her recently released book, Gone Puzzle, a humorous look at middle age and menopause experienced by her and other menopausal women. Gail, let's talk about the book itself. What is covered in the book? Well, everything. Every, I mean, everything that happens to me, basically. I mean, it's not, it's not a medical book, so no one buy it mm-hmm. for, you know, to get any medical answers. I don't have them. I'm just experiencing them, <laughs> symptoms, but I have no answers. So I just think it's everything that we're exposed to, like um, funny things about, I, you know, I can't, I just got a new laptop. I almost had a nervous breakdown, like how we're, you know, it's things that happen, um, losing things or, you know, mm-hmm. oh God, I, I'm just even looking at my little book, like Brazilian waxing for women. Oh my God, the ultimate, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a sport. I don't know what that is, but, um, mm-hmm. just like being impatient, having your sex life change, not maybe not being interested, being interested, you know, looking mm-hmm. in the mirror changes. I mean, you know, all sorts of like losing patience with things or being unable to kind of comprehend the world changing so fast. And, you know, you didn't catch on to technology. If you're late to it, you know, that's another horror story. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was looking, I can never find my reading glasses. I mean, no one I know can find anything. (laughs) So, you know, it's just like, seriously, I can put something down and turn around for 10 seconds. And I can't find it again. So um, <laughs> it deals with all that stuff. And rather than being, well, sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. I mean, you know, I need to be put away. I mean, instead of, you know, looking at it in that sort of grim, dark way, I just mm-hmm. think I write about it. So it's funny, like where no one can find anything. I mean, I, how many times, I don't know if you've done this, have you been talking <laughs> on your cell phone and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I can't find my up panic like you're sweating. <laughs> You can't find your cell phone. And then there's like that, there's like that radio delay and you realize that you're on it. So um, it, it's like that about what to wear, what not to wear, sex or the, you know, like the funny articles. Like, would you give up the internet or sex for a, a month or mm-hmm. something? You know, things that I read about and find funny. And I think that they cross pollinate to women other than just me. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. how I, um, so I think that the book deals with, oh my goodness, just everyday real life. life real situation? Yeah, I mean, everyday life is so much harder than, you know, like a 50th anniversary. You know, that's pretty obvious and easy, but, you know, it's just like, I can't believe, I mean, looking in the mirror in the morning, I mean, that's, that's a surprise, isn't it? But um, like, where did that high school girl go? So I think it <laughs> has to do with, right, every day every day mm-hmm. the sort mm-hmm. of the stress or the funny way of looking at every day instead of like i can't believe i'm buying another pair of reading glasses you know like seven <laughs> pair in a month or you know stuff like that that's why if you recall grandma and grandpa had that little string that tied the glasses together right yeah oh right that's, <laughs> yeah right exactly see <laughs> You could have looked into the future then, but who's looking? You just think, oh, my God, my pants, what is she? That's so hit. What is she doing with strings and glasses? And um, It's different. When it comes to you, it's like you're in denial. How's that? Constant exactly. state of denial. Constant state very, very of denial. I agree. Yeah. And I do think, like, the one thing I really want to point out in another serious way is I think that, First of all, my generation of women, my mother, like I do have this in chapter one, she never meant, she never mentioned menopause. Like, I don't even know if she knew what menopause was. And so when Mm -hmm. you start, and all my girlfriends, I mean, all the ones that are close in age to me, and I will not tell you what that number is, but um, (laughs) none of them had a mother that told them about menopause. I mean, Mm -hmm. seriously, it's like a, it's like ambushed, you know, like you're just completely Mm -hmm. ambushed because. None of the, that generation of women 
mm-hmm. you know, sort of the the generation of the Mrs. Maisel mother, the mothers to Mrs. <laughs> the cute Midge Maisel. I mean, yes. no one no one talked about it. So um, we're all surprised. I mean, and I find still that women my age, like mm-hmm. once you start them, this is what I like. This is why I think this book is important. I mean, yeah. even though it's funny and it's frivolous on so many levels, it's important because once you start the conversation, once you talk mm-hmm. about your crappy sex life or you talk about, <laughs> oh, my God, should I have a facelift or I can't, I can't lose any weight or once or you start talking about menopause, like none of the women my age, as, as liberated as we are, as whatever sex life we had when we were hit one young girls, I mean, no one wants to talk about it. But once you start, mm-hmm. once you just let them, once you start, once I start, mm-hmm. it's like the floodgates open, which mm-hmm. I find the best part, but you can't get them to talk about it. I mean, they're not going to spontaneously do it. That's <laughs> why I think it's important to have the book. Like, you know, when, even when you, because I think everyone equates menopause with being old. There was just an article, right. I think it was in the New York Times yesterday about women in their 70s. I mean, no one in this country, and I will say on another serious note, the women in the UK that I notice on Instagram that follow me, they're mm-hmm. far more enlightened. Although not they're enlightened, we're all enlightened. They're far more willing to address the subject. Right, And right. women in this country equate it, as, equate it with old age. I mean, you're not even old, you're 45. I mean, or you're 50. I mean, that's not old. But um, anymore, it's not old. So no one wants they. everyone thinks, oh, my God, I'm old. I can't say I can't talk about it because everyone will think I'm old. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and we're so youth oriented. We're so beauty oriented that um, it's, it gets buried. That's true. It's, uh, important. Like, yeah, it's buried, which is why, again, not that I love Gwyneth Paltrow on any special level, but the fact <laughs> that she you know, has announced it, you know, like the Sermon on the Mount, the fact that she yeah. has announced it, it does kind of, you know, God knows if her products, what her product line is, but um, <laughs> it does, don't let me start about the title of her product line, but, um, you know, at least she's saying it, at least she's saying the word. And I think that, like I said, once you start women talking, they talk, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but no one, it's like a secret, like there's a whispering, um, right. menopause. Right. You know, right. So, um, but I think it's a sub, it's a subject worth talking about. Obviously, <laughs> the book is beautifully designed. I love it. Very warm and engaging. Cute cover and the back cover. That's interesting. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh yeah, bathrobe woman. <laughs> that was me and my target. And my target. Target the new Bergdorf. Um, that's me in my bathrobe. It's like sort of like when you can't, when you feel like you get up and can't get up and can't leave the house. You know, I was bath. I, you know, the clamors are sort of like the super or the anti or the, you know, twisted superwoman, bathrobe woman. Uh-huh. So, you know, I go out. I mean, I, you know, go out and do everything that, you know, not too far from the house. Like, you know, there are borders. I don't cross into, I don't go too far, but like when you just can't get dressed or I know this Aww. is me and my friends, the minute we come home, like you're back in the bathrobe. So, um, <laughs> you know, I think I was when you're, you're, you know, maybe the economy was failing or something. You're like, I have no money, my credit card, blah, blah, blah. I'm just never getting out of my bathrobe. So since I wrote about bathrobe woman, I thought mm-hmm. it would be funny to um, have it on the back cover. There is a story about bathrobe woman, which I think <laughs> is very funny. And um, I think we've all been bathrobe woman or, you mm-hmm. know, all women have been bathrobe women. Just can't. Mm-hmm change can't get dressed and go out or feeling like you can't get out of bed or don't want to leave don't want to leave the house a lot of people go through phases where they can't leave the house so it's sort of a tribute to that but it's Mm -hmm. funny right and someone said why did you cut off your head but i'm like (laughs) i don't know see i can't look at myself anymore picture i'm like it can't be me you know that what they say about things now, right? That is, 60 is the new 40. Yeah, that's good. You like to think that, right? 
I mean, I like to think it too. <laughs> More in the case of my date the other night, 80 is not the new 60. But, um, yeah, well, I do think that, too, like, everyone's a lot more vibrant. And, you know, we have fitness and, you know, mm-hmm. fillers and Botox. And, you know, we can sort of postpone the air products, like my mother, the product queen. Um, yeah, right. I think that that's true. I think 60, maybe maybe 60 is the new, maybe 60 is just the new 59. <laughs> <laughs> I like to stay with 60, the new 40, but however, let me put it this way. 9 p.m. is the new 12 midnight. I know. That's a, that's a new joke all over the internet. That's funny. Right. Isn't that? that is true. <laughs> and it's the sleeping. That's the other thing. That's what I'm thinking. When I was thinking about questions you were going to ask me, I'm like, so what do people, what do we talk about? We talk about how many hours of sleep did you get? <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing that goes, like your ability to sleep or stay asleep. Mm -hmm. And not only how many hours did you get, but, you know, like reveling in the Mm -hmm. fact that you did not take some over-the-counter sleep aid. (laughs) (laughs) Things, you know, the sleeping that, remember when you were a teenager and slept like 18 hours? There you go. (laughs) I know. Please share with us the wonderful four sections that you have in the book. Why did you title it that way? I'll be honest with you, because my person who did the book with me that edited it for me and her mm-hmm. started this publishing company that published it, she went, Gail, do you think you should break it into chapters? I mean, that's the only reason <laughs> there was there. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think, Lori? And she said, well, maybe you should break it into chapters. I mean, there's no... <laughs> There's no, I mean, this is the good part about the book, too. Like I say this mm-hmm. when people buy it. First of all, I made it very clear I wanted you to be able to read it without reading glasses. Because for everyone who's still hunting and pecky for their reading glasses and then go, I'll read it later when I find my glasses, right. you don't have to use them. So I wanted the print, I wanted the print big enough so you could read it. And there's no order to it. So the other thing I told people is you can just pick it up and mm-hmm. start on page 110. Mm-hmm. And then read that little story, and then you could put it down and pick it up again and start on page two, and you, mm-hmm. you lose nothing. I mean, you don't lose anything in the oh my god, what happened to poor Gail on that? You know, the, the hundred page difference here, <laughs> nothing. I mean, it's like nothing. Life, that's it. Nothing. Really, nothing happened that you missed out on. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. but. Oh, see, I forgot your question. This is the point. <laughs> oh, wait, I got it now. I got it. My brain got it. Caught up. So she said, do you think you should break up this, you know, because it's like 90, yeah. or however many there are. So I went, okay. So then I'm trying to think of, because I, I talk a lot about, I mean, the first one, wino. I talk a lot about drinking wine. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm-hmm. and I wine. So I thought that was mm-hmm. actually my best one, the play on words. Mm-hmm. So, um, and really, like, a lot, you know, some of life is like, really? I mean, you know, I just thought of words that sort of somehow related to this whole experience. Yeah. But it was, it was, you know, that was tricky, breaking it into chapters. I mean, actually, had it, if I had it to do again, I might have them in different, I've read it too many times now. <laughs> Although every time my mother reads it, I will say that she likes it. So if anyone wants to just take the word of my mother, she Aww. finds it very funny. <laughs> I know. She's read it many times. <laughs> she probably doesn't even remember she's read it. But um, So I just made up words that I thought somehow related to the problems. You know, like when wino and where and really. I mean, real, mm-hmm. Jesus, really. I mean, you know, it's just like. So that was really not super purposeful it was a suggestion and i thought maybe that's right people like things to break up so it doesn't look as seem as laborious (laughs) so that's the real answer could have made something up but i didn't (laughs) very very interesting let's talk about some of the stories in the book let's go with this one i thought this one is really cool mirror mirror on the wall that can't be me right does that ever happen to you? <laughs> yes, I mean, it I did. I don't know how old you are. <laughs> I know. I mean, seriously. 
does that happen to, I mean, I personally think men have magic mirrors, that mm-hmm. their mirrors mm-hmm. reflect them as seniors in high school and not as senior <laughs> citizens. <laughs> that they have, they have, I asked this to one of my girlfriends once, I went, can't they see themselves in the mirror? And she went, no, Gil, <laughs> men have magic mirrors. <laughs> no, they do. You do. do you? I mean, so, <laughs> but when I look in the mirror, seriously, I'm like, I get up in the morning or just even anytime during the day, like you almost don't mm-hmm. want to have mirrors anymore, like cover <laughs> them. But I mean, sir, I mean, I just don't, you don't recognize yourself. And I know a lot of my girlfriends, have, we've talked about this. I mean, and you see, and especially if you see a picture of the younger you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, you know, that thing about the estrogen sucked off your face. I mean, it's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel like it can't be you. I mean, how did this happen? And, you know, if, and I think you see it more. Sometimes you see it more when you see, you know, people that you went to high school with or if you go to a high school reunion or, yeah. you know, then you see your, your reflection in them because they've aged. And even if you could be delusional and not see yourself in a real way, which no, who wants to, um, you see that the, everyone around you, your same age, the same age as age. So, um, yeah, I look in the mirror and I think that I try not to. And then you sneak a peek and you're just like gasp or cry, mm-hmm. or get mm-hmm. rashy. Um, it's shocking. It is shocking. So, um, yes, that was one of my thoughts. That's my thought almost every other day. <laughs> so, or you know, a few times a day. So, oh my God, yeah. Is that something that happened gradually, or is it like something that happened whereby you got up one morning and you look in the mirror and you're like, ah? I don't. You know, it's it's it's. Well, you, I mean, I think you kind of get used to your, you know, the new reflection. Mm-hmm. I mean, but then it changes okay. again. You know, yeah. like you kind of get used to that vision, and then all of a sudden. You look again, and you're like, and you see someone slightly different. Like, mm-hmm. my, I don't know if my mother, my mother, like, like I, she's given me a lot of material. But she's a <laughs> um, hundred, and she looks mm-hmm. in the mirror, and she's like, oh, I can't believe how wrinkled I am. I'm like, you're a hundred. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So even when you're a hundred, you can't believe it. You can't believe mm-hmm. how wrinkled you are. Or you're still, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that it's surprising at every, in every decade or every mm-hmm. year, or, you know, um, I don't, it's, I mean, like if I look in the mirror today, I'm like, Oh my God, my eyes look puffy. Right. It's not the same useful face. I mean, it used to be like, you know, I never wore a stitch of makeup. <laughs> you just ran off the door. Now every, yeah. so I find like, I find every, you know, couple months or every six months or a year, I'm like, oh, putting out a little more middle, you know, oh, now I need concealer or this. I mean, so it's surprising. It's a journey. Tell us about yeah. to tattoo or not to tattoo. I thought that's a very interesting question. Do you have a tattoo? No. Do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. Well, I sort of wonder. I mean, my big question about tattoos are um, – as you age, I've done, I've actually done videos, my Instagram, my Instagram feed, I take, I take the chapter from the book. And because Instagram, you can only do a minute for each video. I do like mm-hmm. a minute stand up on like all these subjects. So mm-hmm. I do have one on, on everything we've talked about. I have little, it's funny. I mean, if you just want to entertain yourself who anyone who's listening, go to Gail Force on Instagram and they're, they're good. I love, now I love doing stand up, but, um, no, I wonder what happens if you get a tattoo. I mean, first of all, I'm a needle phobe. I mean, I'd have to be anesthetized to get a tattoo. I mean, literally <laughs> anesthetized. It would become major surgery. Like, I don't know. She went in for a tattoo. I mean, she's on life support. <laughs> all she wanted was like a little, a little rose on her arm, and now she's on life support. I mean, that would be me. But then I wonder, the older you get, I mean, because you get wrinkly, like my arms, as much as I try and beg, like, the, you know, I go for weight training, I'm like, what about mm-hmm. these wrinkled arms, Zach? What can I do? He's like, nothing. I mean, seriously, really, <laughs> no matter how buff you get, <laughs> no matter, they, so then I'm wondering, 
when you have a tattoo as you age, does the little rose become like a red ball? You know, what, what happens to it? <laughs> you know, what does it That's change true. into? No, seriously. I mean, we haven't yeah. seen too many yeah. because it's just this youth movement of being, you know, with the sleeves of tattoos. And I think it mm-hmm. looks kind of hot sometimes, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's kind of cool. But, of course, mm-hmm. there, all the tattoos are on the arms of really hot young people. <laughs> of course it looks good. It's like a short skirt on a woman with fabulous legs. I mean, they would look good with or without the tattoo. So, um, mm-hmm. but I, you know, mm-hmm. I wonder a, how they're going to get jobs, which maybe no one cares mm-hmm. about anymore. And um, B, what it's going to look like. And, you know, when they're like 60, I mean, I won't be here to see those people. <laughs> but they're, you know, you know, arms that are just like solid red and black, you know, like there's no image anywhere anymore. So, um, yeah, the tattoo thing. But like I said, for me, it's mostly that it would be, it would become like a major surgical event. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You could try and bring your mom to get a tattoo and right? see what she thinks about it. Yeah, because she's not as afraid of needles as I am, so it could work out a lot better for her. Oh, God. She might brag about it. She would look younger. Probably not. She probably wouldn't, (laughs) so she's probably not the candidate for the tattoo at this point in her life. She's still still trying to get rid of the wrinkles. What was your Mm -hmm. favorite story? Do I look better in dim lighting? And I think we yes, all do. Yes, no lighting. <laughs> <laughs> or in the dark. <laughs> so true, so true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Gail Forrest. She's an author, entrepreneur, humorist, dating expert, and blogger. We're having a conversation about her life's journey and her recently released book, Gone Puzzle, a humorous look at middle age and menopause experienced by her and other menopausal women. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Well, Gail, let's talk about one of the things that is very interesting, my new life of dating guppies. Well, I always see it as like, you know, whenever it goes, there's so many fish in the ocean. You know, yeah. I used to have a, um, a housekeeper who used to go, there's always, you know, it's like you break up, you're dating someone and they go, like, men are like buses. There's always another one. Like, right, there's so many fish in the ocean. Like, there's always another man. I mean, if you want to, you know, the analogy mm-hmm. of a man versus fish. Um, but now I find... Oh, my God. Like, I find that there's, like, three guppies in a toxic pond, basically, if we're using the analogy (laughs) of fish. I mean, seriously. I do. There's, like, there's, like, nothing left, Johnny. It's scary. Sad. Sad for me. I don't don't know about anybody else, but it's really sad for me. I mean, it's not the, you know, the ocean has dried up. I mean, not to... Not even in the global warming way, in the dating way. <laughs> I mean, in the dating pool, what you realize, and I think men realize this too, I'm not just saying, you know, I'm calling them toxic guppies, but I yeah. think they feel the same way. I mean, they feel the same way, like they're the gene pool, the dating pool, the fish in the ocean. I mean, it gets, it shrinks. It just shrinks. People, I don't know what they do. They die off. <laughs> I don't know where they went, <laughs> but... Um, they, um, it doesn't feel like you have as many. The choices are no longer endless. I mean, when you're 20-something, I mean, oh, God, you walk outside. Like when I lived in New York City, I mean, you walk outside, and by the time I would come home, I would have a date. Someone would have asked me on a date. <laughs> I mean, I could wander the streets now. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I you could, could still like, do that, wander. but you got to watch the way you are wandering the streets. No, yeah, I don't. I don't think it would matter. I mean, anyway, I understand that sort of message of danger, but I don't. Um, I don't think it would matter. I think I could just keep because the other thing is, and this is new, but they're writing a lot mm-hmm. about this now too, is the feeling of being invisible. 
Mm-hmm. So I used to be visible, and now I'm actually writing a blog about a piece about this now. And it's like I became a human magic trick. I mean, presto change <laughs> I'm <laughs> sort of pulling me out of a hat. I mean, like I'm uh-huh. not there. I feel like I'm not there anymore. I mean, I respect the me, you know, the Me Too movement, but you know, yeah. just with one time now, if someone just looked, turned and looked at me. I would not mm-hmm. do them, so they would not have to worry. But um, <laughs> you know that sort of that sort of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I respect. I do not believe in obviously any kind of harassment or any right, being right, women right. forget. And and plenty of women have been in friends of mine, which is terrible. But on mm-hmm. the funny level, just in terms of feeling that the world yeah. doesn't, or men as a woman, and I'm sure men feel the same way. Um, no one looks at you. You've aged out of being looked at. I mean, that sounds shallow, but um, you know, it's kind of a surprise. It's you mm-hmm. know, like it's a surprise. Like you do become invisible. And I know there's more and more. That word is being used more and more. I mean, think mm-hmm. of all the. There are some. You know, it's just. I mean, my remember my second husband telling me. I mean, he was so adorable. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I thought, oh, my God, I would never tire of looking at him. He's so attractive. Of course, then, you know, you get tired of, you might want to look at him, but you don't want to talk to him. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so he he told me, as cute as he was, he mm-hmm. said that one, and I don't remember, that he walked into, I know he would walk in and women, I'm sure, would look at him. And he said he walked into a club one night or a bar or something Mm-hmm. He said he really, and no one looked at him, no one, mm-hmm. not a woman or even a man. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he was shocked. I mean, that was like a big shock to him because I kept going, why do you keep getting married? Or why do you know, but um, he, that was surprising to him. And then he got married mm-hmm. again because I think he got worried. I think he got yeah. nervous yeah. that mm-hmm. maybe his time was up. You know, I was having this mm-hmm. conversation with another male friend of mine, and this, is there a quota? I mean, are you only allowed so many dates? Are there, like, the gods of dating? They're like, oh, you've been on your 702 dates. No more for you. <laughs> you know, it's kind of in that funny Greek way, tragedy way. Right, but, um, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a surprise when you just are... I mean, you know, you're the young girl who could go out with, you know, everyone wanted to ask out or whatever or a few people now becomes a middle-aged woman that, um, you know, it's a lot, right. It shrinks. It's a lot harder. <laughs> Is that sad? I don't want to be sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at it this way, though. To the 99-year-old man, you're a young thing now. You're a doll. I know. <laughs> but do you think that seems fair? You don't know me. I mean, is that fair? I know, I know that's. I didn't say it's fair. I'm just telling you the facts. Right, it's It's, like reverse reverse ageism. That's right, that's right. Uh, They're looking down, it's like, oh my God, that sweet thing. Look at that hot 80 year old woman. There you go. (laughs) Well, I will tell you something. She is a hot 81 year old looking woman. I mean, there you go. See? She looks. She looks pretty amazing, doesn't she? I mean, some of them. Yeah, she's in the lucky gene pool. But, um, yeah, so my gene pool for dating, like I go, and men don't take care of themselves the way women do. Just like this man who arrived the other night in tennis clothes. I mean, right? what right. was he smoking? I mean, you know, you even go on Match.com, all these internet dating sites, and you look right. at like the, the, you know, the rogue, what do they call that? Like just the, what? wanted ad space or whatever they you know i can't think mm-hmm. of the right word say i've lost you can't retrieve words that's another thing that happens like 10 minutes from now i will think of the right word but you know <laughs> we won't be talking anymore <laughs> but um you know and you look at all these guys out there and i'm like oh man like they do have they looked in the mirror recently maybe they shouldn't have maybe don't they have a better picture of all pictures that they have of themselves <laughs> but um you know, aside from the men that put up their like bar mitzvah picture, so um, right, <laughs> it's tough. So the you know the gene pool, the toxic, it's toxic. So mm-hmm. um, and that's just what they look like. Forget what they come and tell you, like you know how they've been 
you know, the myriad of medical problems, how they hate their, you know, how much they refuse to pay their ex-wife, you know, any money. And then there's all the problems <laughs> they flood you with. So, um, <laughs> uh, One of the chapters you wrote in the book is about why I'm not a cougar. So let's talk about that. Yes. Although a few women I've met recently who now are mm-hmm. my heroes and goddesses mm-hmm. to me are married to awesome. men 20 years younger. Awesome. How bad is that? Yes. I know. <laughs> I know. Seriously, I've met two women lately who have husbands husbands that are 20 uh-huh. years younger. Let's see, that would be like I'd be dating my son practically. But um, <laughs> no, because I think, I mean, in the same way that I'm like, I can't, I, w- I would just be too insecure. I mean, I don't feel insecure mm-hmm. as someone who speaks, who can speak. But right. um, I think I'd be feel very insecure about it. And I did, and the other thing was that um, I did date someone when I was 40 who was like mm-hmm. 29 or 30. And when you talk okay. to these people, you mm-hmm. have nothing in common. Like every book you read, like Catcher in the Rye, every movie you saw, Apocalypse Now or whatever movies with, right. you know, I would consider like amazing, great movies or pieces of literature or, you know, plays that you've seen right. or any kind of, you know, of course the whole funny thing about do you know that people some people don't know who the Beatles were I mean seriously <laughs> so I think that would um, um, yeah where were they when Kennedy was shot you know they weren't just yeah, you know two yeah. people were thinking about getting pregnant I mean they had mm-hmm. no they were not there so then all these like life events these like mm-hmm. milestones mm-hmm. in my life which we still all remember you know right. where were you when this happened right having said that you have to look at 40 and 30. Somehow the mentality is truly that 10 years, right? But when you are about 60 or 70, somehow I believe that part of the equation, the intellect narrows tremendously. Say you're 40, right? You're going out with someone who is 30 years old. Like you say, it's like, oh my God, they don't even know what the heck I like. But when you are at 60, 70, or even 80, and you're dating someone younger than you, 10, 15 years younger, somehow that conversation, you don't have that kind of a gap. That's what I meant. Oh, I see. I mean, because you think the gap narrows. Yes. You're learned people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't, um, look, my, I think my, you know, like my son's friends are all brilliant and interesting mm-hmm. and, you know, eclectic, intellectually eclectic, but Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, would they be interested in me? Because as they, they're aging, maybe the gap closes, but I'm aging also. So, right. I mean, what's going to happen like when I'm the 80-year-old woman and they're the 50-year-old or the 6-year-old person? I mean, are they going to still be interested? Mm-hmm. I guess I'm seeing it. I'm a little more paranoid that way, you know, like right. paranoid right. about how, you know, will they still well want to have sex with me or they still want to. You know, are they looking around at younger women? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think it takes a really resilient, strong woman. I mean, I um, mm-hmm, am mm-hmm. confident, but I'm not sure I'm confident enough. But I feel like I should be. I mean, here's the irony now. Because right. when I see the men that people, the, the culture thinks I should be dating, like mm-hmm. my demographic, I'm like, right. what? You know, that could be the next title of my book. I mean, <laughs> what? I mean, Seriously or seriously, question mark, question mark. Um, yeah. Right, because then as I get older and I should be dating older, I shouldn't be, but like that's yeah. what sort of the culture begs that mm-hmm. I date someone, you know, older than me by 10 years. I'm, I feel that's very, I'm beginning to feel that's very unfair, personally unfair. What would be a great exercise for you to do is to interview those friends that right now they are your heroes the ones that actually are dating and maybe even marrying someone that's 10, 15, 20 years younger than they are. 20. Right. I know. I would have to spend more time with them. But um, one of them I spent a lot of time with last week. And he had <laughs> never been married before. Yeah. And he, I don't know, there's been together now for 15 or 20 years also. See? So fantastic. I met him when he was crazy young. No, I think that yeah. is fantastic because she looks good and... Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it probably keeps you a little more 
vibrant, right. you, know, you know, the fear of becoming a nurse. I mean, there's always the fear of becoming a nurse. Gail, where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? They can go to Amazon, and there are 16 reviews, half of which are by men. So I did have a lot of mail. So they can go to Amazon, you know, and just put in Gone Puzzle, and it comes up. And I tried to also make it a price that was not unaffordable. So um, they can go there. They can go to my website, which is gailforest.com, and see all the other funny things more than just about the book. Like I have a YouTube channel under Gail Forest and um, Instagram, which the Instagram is very, very funny. Really, mm-hmm. it's just entertaining because the videos are funny. I love them. I'm in love with myself at that level. <laughs> but um, they can get, you know, they, it's easy to find. It's there. I'm easy. It's just my name. My name is just branded. It's just everywhere with two R's, F-O-R-R-E-S-T-G-A-I-L. So, um, yeah, I encourage people to give the book as a gift. It's a great gift. And, um, yeah, that's my story. Fantastic. How has writing Gone Puzzle impacted you personally? I think it's empowering. It's just like when I started my own business as an um, art advisor. Mm-hmm. I think that when you, you know, step up and do something that's just you had to kind of pioneer it, you know, like you have to, I, mm-hmm. I do find this a little harder. Like it was easier for me in a way to sell art because I wasn't selling myself. I was selling right. a piece of art and I could put it into an art historical context. I could tell them why it was a good thing to buy, you know, why it was a good, you know, mm-hmm. even in, on an investment level. But I do find just quite in a funny way that it's harder to tell people to buy, you know, about my book. I'm a little more, a little more self, not self-conscious, but a little, it's just harder to go, oh, here, buy my book. Oh, here, I wrote mm-hmm. this book. You know, that's, it's a little harder to hawk myself. I mean, you know, I, I think I'm good at presenting myself, but going, you know, and then t- it's a tougher sale than selling a Picasso. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of, that's a challenge for me to try and sell. I can sell myself, but mm-hmm. it's hard to say, oh, yeah, you have to buy my book. So, um, yeah, it's that that part hasn't been easy. That's why I have my lovely PR woman, Laura. And um, my oh, my agent Lori, mm-hmm. and they've been you know that's why I want them because it's easier to sell <laughs> something for someone else than to sell it for yourself. Certainly, certainly. So it's my challenge. What is next for you? Stand up, stand up comedy. I'm going to take. I'm enthralled with stand up. Like I love writing, so I'll keep writing. But mm-hmm. I'm enthralled with stand up, and I took a an online course with Steve Martin and I'm going to take a stand-up course at second city this summer mm-hmm. in Chicago. So, um, yes, now that will really take balls on it. That's difficult. <laughs> that'll be tough, but, um, yeah, I don't think that'll be fun. You know, I'm going to keep, I'm, you know, starting, I'm blogging again and, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to get out there and I want to really talk about this midlife, you know, this whole issue of midlife and women and just bring mm-hmm. some fun to it. And, you know, just keep open the conversation. Like I said, I think once you start the conversation, it takes up energy in a life of its own. But I think it's mm-hmm. a conversation that, you know, women have to get used to and doctors have to tell women what's going to happen to them. And, you know, it's, if we all, we won't feel so isolated if we talk about it. So I'd like to do speaking or be on panels and um, just kind of mm-hmm. be a voice in the women universe. That's fantastic. Since our show is about people and living life, do you have a recipe for living you would like to share with our listeners this morning? A recipe? Try and find the humor. You know, as dark as something seems, you know, take a breath, you know, give it 10 minutes, give it, you know, two hours, and then look back and try and find something that was funny about it. I mean, that's what um, I think that would be my best advice to anyone. Try and find at some point, you know, days later, minutes later, hours later, you know, a month later, try and look back and see, wow, that was kind of funny. Or if I look at it this from a different point of view, humor is the best medicine, best advice. 
Fantastic. Gail, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, January 29th. My guest will be Paul Seeley. He is a psychic, medium, and award-winning author of Channel Text from Tatcha Penguin. Paul and I will be having a conversation about his life's journey and his recently released book, The Book of Freedom, Book Three of the Mastery Trilogy. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Gail, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hear that? It's four quarters, left in a pair of cargo shorts, now clinking around in the dryer. But it's also the sound of a whole dollar of deliciousness. Because on McDonald's one, two, three dollar menu, that's the price of a crispy tender McChicken sandwich or any size refreshing sweet tea or soft drink. Nice, right? So grab that change. Wow, those are hot. Find more one dollar favorites on the one, two, three dollar menu at McDonald's. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Tax extra. What does your morning sound like? Goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mmm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Right now at McDonald's, get a sausage biscuit and hash browns or sausage McMuffin and hash browns, each pairing for just $1.50. Price and participation may vary. For a limited time, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.